Hello and welcome. I'm Marquette and you're listening to Mind Body Dallas. I am so excited to have Courtney Krauss on the show today. In addition to cheering on her school's varsity squad for four years, Courtney competed on the world-renowned all-star team Spirit of Texas for seven seasons where she captured numerous national titles as well as the gold medal at the Cheerleading World Championship in 2005. Courtney received a partial scholarship to cheer at the University of Miami in Florida and enjoyed her time cheering for the Hurricanes and all of their D1 athletics. In 2008, she transferred to the University of Oklahoma, where she spent the rest of her collegiate career cheering for the Sooners on the large co-ed game day in competitive squads. Her college cheer highlights include placing in the top 10 at the Collegiate Cheerleading Nationals, all of the events leading up to the NCAA National Championship Orange Bowl game, as well as the cheering Final Four in San Antonio. She was recognized as Collegiate Cheerleader of the Week by Fox Sports Southwest and made numerous appearances on ESPN and College Game Day with the Sooners. After college graduation, she worked for Universal Cheerleaders Association staff for two summers and was hand-selected to coach international cheerleading camps in Scotland, Australia, and China. In 2010, Courtney auditioned for and was cast in Bring It On, the musical, and was a flyer and dancer in the original Broadway production until 2012. She and her cast performed eight high-flying shows per week, in addition to appearances on The Today Show, America's Got Talent, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and the Tony Awards. She then returned to Texas to cheer for the Dallas Stars as an ice girl from 2014 to 2016, where she was Rookie of the Year as well as a captain. In 2018, she achieved her ultimate goal of cheering in the NFL for the New England Patriots. Her squad cheered at the Super Bowl her rookie year, and she was honored to lead the team as a captain her second season. While winning the Super Bowl was a dream come true, she is living her next dream as a cheerleading director at her former high school. In addition to coaching the varsity cheer squad, Courtney is currently a fourth grade teacher and teaches private cheer and dance lessons through her small business, Move with Courtney Krause. Courtney, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad um, that you know all things cheerleading. (laughs) So tell me a little bit more about how you started in cheer. When did you fall completely in love with it? Tell me the beginning of the story. Sure. So my mom was a dancer. And so I kind of had that as my childhood experience was with dance. And by childhood, I mean, like at age two, I was um, still in a diaper taking dance classes. And I loved it. I just completely fell in love with performing and being out in front of people. I was kind of always on the end because I was the shortest one, uh, which never changed in my life. But um, it was just my happy place. It was awesome. And I also did gymnastics. And when I was in kindergarten, my mom bought something at our school auction and it was called cheerleader for a day. And, you know, for a hundred dollars or whatever it was as a donation to the school, your child would get to perform with the varsity cheerleaders, you know, at a Friday night football game. And I won, or my mom won that at the auction. And that is when my world was totally rocked. When I got to go out there with the varsity cheerleaders on a Friday night in front of the crowd, 
and they put me up in stunts and we danced and we cheered and we just had so much fun. And of course my mom had to buy it again the next year at the auction. (laughs) So I did it for a second year in a row. And then I had a cheerleading birthday party that, uh, that second year and it was, you know, cheerleaders on the cake and we went to a cheer gym and learned routines and from then it really never stopped. So that was my sixth birthday, uh, turning from six to seven. And I think that's, that was the light bulb moment, uh, for my parents that, oh goodness, you know, this dance thing is great. This gymnastics thing is great, but this cheer thing kind of combines the two. So maybe we need to go down this path. And so I continued with the dance part, but the gymnastics kind of transferred into the cheerleading component. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And um, I know I just said in the the intro all about, you know, high school cheer and varsity for four years, but also tell me a little bit about amazing uh, Spirit of Texas for seven years. How cool is that? Sure. So Spirit of Texas was a gym that was about 30 minutes away. And I went to a local gym a little closer to my house in Fort Worth and you know, it was okay, but they weren't super great. And we saw Spirit of Texas at a competition and they just blew my mind and my mom's. And she was like, wow, I'm going to sacrifice whatever it takes to get you to that gym. And my mom um, was a single driver for our family. My dad was disabled and so he couldn't drive and she had two other kids. And so making that commitment to drive one of your children 30 minutes each way to an activity you know, several days a week was a really big sacrifice. And I took that seriously. And my sister also started going to that same gym. So she actually had to take both of us on separate days to our practices all the way in Arlington. But we did it because that was such a world-renowned gym. And when I got there, I actually realized there was a girl on my team from Austin who drove three hours to every practice. And there was a kid from Oklahoma who drove three hours to every practice. So all of a sudden my 30 minute commute each way did not seem that big of a deal, but that just shows you how, at least back then, um, now there are programs all over and a lot of gyms have franchised, but back then a true elite all-star gym was really hard to find. And North Texas was kind of the hotbed with cheer athletics and spirit of Texas, both being in the DFW area. And that just happened to be the closest one for me. So making that commitment um, that started in seventh grade and that went all the way actually through college, I became that girl who drove from Oklahoma to Arlington for practices to be on their open team, even when I was in college, because the gym was that great. And the coaching was just amazing. And I would not have done anything that I did, you know, in high school or post high school, if it wasn't for Spirit of Texas and my coaches. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, speaking of college, tell us about your days of college cheer and school independence. You're not living at home anymore. You know, you're making new friends and you made that huge transition from Miami to Oklahoma. And tell us about that. Yeah. So I got a scholarship to Miami um, my freshman year and was just elated. I really enjoyed the school and my visits and everything. And I enjoyed the cheer team. And um, when I started cheering there, it just wasn't filling my bucket quite as much as I had anticipated. I think I pictured kind of um, a town where 
college football was everything. And as I know now, Miami has a lot more than just college football. (laughs) And so the stadium was far away. The stadium was old. No one really went to the games. Um, It just wasn't kind of that typical college experience that I had envisioned for so long. And at the same time, my dad was diagnosed with cancer my freshman year. And so I had this feeling of maybe I'm not supposed to be here. And while I really did enjoy you know, my team and everything, and my sophomore year, it was one of our very first games of the season when we were actually at an away game at the University of Oklahoma. So I'm at OU in Norman in my Miami cheer uniform, and I'm standing in that stadium in Oklahoma with, you know, 80,000 people in the stands. And in Norman, you know, football is everything. The university is everything. And I was standing there thinking, oh my gosh, this is what cheering in college should feel like. And that was a Saturday and I applied to OU on Monday. Wow. And I transferred out semester so I could be closer to my family to help with my dad's cancer. And I honestly didn't know if he was going to make it. So being, you know, a three hour drive versus a flight, um, just made me feel a lot better. And, um, it was a, it was a battle for him and, um, it took a lot out of our family and he's in remission now, which is a huge blessing. But I think that was, you know, half the reason that I came a little bit closer to home was because of that. And now I can't imagine having stayed in Miami because Oklahoma was such a formative experience for me as well. And, you know, as anyone in Texas or Oklahoma knows, like football is, is life when you go to a big school yes. like that. And, um, and it was amazing getting to cheer, you know, OU Texas, or as some people say, Texas OU, um, <laughs> and cheering, you know, at the Big 12 championship. And we went to the national championship my, um, my senior year and the final four and just all these opportunities really presented itself by having transferred to that, you know, bigger university with a huge focus on their sports. And it, it was just a good fit. The people, the academics, um, it just really was perfect. And had I not had that experience at Miami, had my dad not gotten sick, I don't know if I would have made that move because I never even considered OU. And actually, don't tell anyone this, but I actually applied to Texas um, out of high school. And I didn't even apply to OU. So, you know, don't let anyone know that. But I'm very glad that that, that eventually became my home. horns. No. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. Yes, I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, wow. Well, that is, isn't it amazing the way things happen? Like life falls in a place in the most interesting ways like what an interesting path for you and but that's amazing and I'm so glad to hear that your dad's in remission what a blessing for your family and uh, for you and for him of Mm -hmm. course love your dad so um, what are your some of your proudest moments or maybe a favorite moment you'd like to share from college cheer I think one time I got to walk out on the field with Sam Bradford had just won the Heisman And me and another cheerleader got to walk out on the field or another cheerleader and I got to walk out on the field and actually hold the Heisman trophy. And I just remember it being so heavy. And I was like, I don't think I'll ever touch something like this again. This is such a cool experience. And I think there was like an official person with gloves on, but you know, we got to 
have our palms in our hand and kind of support the trophy. And that was a pretty cool moment. I thought that was, that was pretty awesome. And then another big memory I have is I think we were playing Texas tech and it was a funny situation in which there could have been a three-way tie in the big 12, but if we won this game, then it would shift. And anyway, there was a lot riding on this game and we ended up winning and they started playing jump around maybe the last two minutes of the game and the entire stadium started shaking because people, oh. the, the whole crowd was jumping and I had never experienced something like that in my whole life, like not at a concert, not anywhere. And that I will never forget that jump around song. And anytime I hear it, I just think of that moment, but I thought the stadium was going to fall down. It was mm -hmm. so wild. <laughs> wow. That is wild. So. That's unbelievable. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. So, okay. Then you went and you traveled around and you cheered or you coached cheer Australia, China, all around, but what brought you back and what even put it on your heart? Like bring it on the musical. What, on earth, how on earth, like how did this opportunity come up for you and what did it look like? Tell us more about that too. Sure. So it was actually very ironic. I was a journalism major at OU and one of my classes, we had a quiz. I don't know if it was daily or weekly. I can't remember at this point, but we had to read the New York times and we would be quizzed on current events. And I was reading in the arts section one day and it said, bring it on to become a musical. And I remember thinking that's either going to be really great or really terrible. And I loved musicals. I had always been in the musical in high school and had gone to shows since I was little in New York and locally. I just, I adored musical theater. Um, and I thought, wait, these are my two worlds that I love kind of combining. I need to read this article. <laughs> and so I did. And it mentioned names that no one had heard of at the time, like Lin-Manuel Miranda and Tom Kitt and Alex Lockamore and Andy Blankenbuehler, which now any Broadway person would be like, how did you not know those names? But that it's because back in the day, they, they weren't the superstars they are now and creators of In the Heights and Hamilton and Emmy winners and Tony winners and all these things that they've done since then. But those names really meant nothing to me. And they said that they were having open calls in three different cities. They were doing Atlanta, New York, and LA. And I thought, well, the most talented girls will probably go to New York. The prettiest girls will probably go to LA. I should go to Atlanta because maybe I'll have a shot of like making it through the first round. <laughs> and so I got on a flight by myself, um, my senior year of college, and I flew to this open call. I think I was number 73 and I had gotten there plenty early, but there were people even before me and I made it through the first round and I was like, oh my gosh, that was so cool. And then I was like, oh no, I'm going to miss my flight back because I scheduled a flight back, you know, for several hours after the audition thinking I wasn't going to go very far. So I call my mom. I'm like, good news, bad news. I made the next round, but I'm missing my flight. Can you help me change my flight? I got to go back in the audition room. So she's, you know, calling the airlines for me. I make the second round. Wow. I'm like, awesome. But I'm like, mom, I'm going to miss that other flight. Can you just pick the last flight of the day? And so I ended up kind of going through a third round that day. I was at the audition all day. We had like a singing round and, a, you know, doing cold reading with people you don't know and lines you've never seen before. And then um, obviously the dance and cheer rounds. And so... 
I kind of made it through that whole day. And then they said, you know, the 10 of you who are left, like you're in consideration for these roles, but we also have two more cities to go to. We'll let you know in like three months. So I basically finished my senior year having no idea what I'm doing uh, the following year because this show was set to rehearse, you know, that summer and fall. And so my professors were like, why aren't you getting internships? And why aren't you applying for jobs? And it wasn't something I could really say like, well, I'm in the running for this musical about cheerleading, you know? So I kind of downplayed it. I also had no idea if I would even be considered after they went to those two massive calls in New York and LA. So in May, this was, I believe, right after graduation. I think it was like a week later. I got a call and they said, we'd like for you to come back to another round of auditions and we're getting really close to casting. And so I went back to Atlanta again. And at that point, I think they kept three of us from the audition and they said, we'll let you know. And so I'll wait again. And then they call and say, you've been cast and bring it on the musical. We will start rehearsals in New York in whatever month it was. And um, do you accept the role? <laughs> oh, and it was my gosh. Such a wild moment. I was packing up my apartment. I'll never forget in Norman um, to be home for the summer. And I, without even like understanding how much they were paying me or the requirements, I just said, yep, I accept the job. And then I went and told my family, like I did not consult anyone. I just said, yes. <laughs> Good for you no negotiating. I didn't have, you know, my agent. I I didn't have an agent at all. So I just said, yep, I'll be there. And so that's kind of how it started. And we started in New York. We did what was called the reading where you go through the entire show with lines and all the songs, but you're seated the whole time. And that's what the producers get to watch first. So there's literally no action And then once they kind of approve that round and continue to fund the show, you do what's called an out-of-town tryout. And that happened in Atlanta, Georgia. And that was, I guess, a four-month experience where we rehearse and then perform in Atlanta at a theater there. And then, typically, the show goes to Broadway. Well, our show was a little bit different in the fact that because we were doing, like, high-flying stunts and we had these screens that... Uh, kind of flew across the stage, like these big HD, like LED, I guess, screens that projected um, different videos and things like that. We had to have a certain size theater and there were no theaters open on Broadway at the moment. And so instead of just you know canceling and saying, okay, well, that was a nice run. Our show said, what if we do our tour first while we're waiting for a theater to open on Broadway? It's kind of like waiting for a good parking spot, right? Like all the best ones are taken and you're just kind of sitting there with your blinker on. So we were just waiting for a theater to open. And so we went on a nine month, 13, I guess 12 city, actually 12 city uh, North American tour. And so every two, well, I guess one to four weeks, really, we were in a different city. We spent less time in the smaller towns and more time in LA and San Francisco and Houston. And so we went all around the country doing this show and May of that year, which would have been 2012, um, we got word that we had secured a Broadway theater. So Mm -hmm. then the show went to Broadway. (laughs) 
So it had been this journey from, you know, sitting in a room reading the show to doing it in Atlanta and then doing it all over the country and then finally getting to do it on Broadway. And it was announced as a limited run. And then it went so well that they actually extended our run by a few months. And, um, and we closed the show on or in December of 2012 after our limited run engagement was up and it was so sad to stop that experience because we really wanted it to keep going. But with a limited run show, it kind of has a start and end date already yeah. in place. Um, a lot of shows do that. Um, not all shows do that. But um, it was truly a one of once in a life, lifetime experience because there's nothing like doing eight shows a week, uh, whether you're on the road or in New York. Um, it was a huge learning curve, you know, throwing in the whole acting and singing while you're doing advanced cheerleading <laughs> and have a mic and a costume and costume changes and set changes and all these things um, that a lot of the, they called us professional cheerleaders in the show, you know, hadn't experienced before. And then the actors in the show, they knew all of that stuff, but they had never cheered before. So the beauty wow. of it was that nobody was good at everything. And if you were a cheerleader, you were learning the acting. If you were an actor, you were learning the cheerleading. So we all really had to work together. And it kind of put everyone in a level playing field, which was a really cool part of it. No one was able to be a diva because not everyone <laughs> knew how to do everything. Um, I love that. So, yeah, that was kind of my, my bring it on experience. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. What was your – do you have a proudest moment or a favorite moment from Broadway? You know – I think I probably have three. Um, on opening night, there's a point in which we hold hands and every cast member like crosses the line, which is metaphorical, but we also like step over um, kind of the boundary of the cheer mat in the show. And it just talks about going out of your comfort zone and taking a big step forward. And I just remember bawling my eyes out on the stage when we crossed the line because I was holding the hands of my castmates and it was all of us lined up across the front of the stage and you're like a foot away from the audience. And it was just such a surreal moment. And then on closing night, there's a line in the show. Um, it goes, in 20 years, it's not a big old trophy that I'll miss, but I'll always smile when I remember this. And I just lost it on that moment too because – I knew that that was the last time I would ever do that show with that cast. And oh. I just cried my face off. I wasn't the only one. Um, but that was, it really like circled back to be like, you're never going to do this again. But in 20 years, which now it's already been 10 years, which is crazy. Wow. Um, in, in 20 flies. years, I know I'll look back and, you know, I don't care about the cheer trophies, but those moments of doing big things together, you know, will really stand out to me. And so those were two. The last one was at the Tonys. We were thankfully nominated for um, some Tonys for Best Choreography and Best Musical. And we got to perform at the Tonys. And that was just a surreal moment. I still can't believe it happened. But we got to put Neil Patrick Harris up in a stunt. And we were performing on stage with all the, you know, Tony nominees and like big Broadway stars and um, got to do lots of cheerleading on stage, which was new for the Tonys. And um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who created Hamilton just after that, um, he actually created Hamilton while doing Bring It On. He oh, would wow. do it like 
on our on our breaks um, from rehearsal, he would be like writing on napkins, and we're like, "What are you writing?" And that's a whole nother story. But anyway, oh um, well, tell but- us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But he uh, he wrote the opening number, and if you haven't seen the opening number to the two thousand, it was thirteen Tonys. Um, it's a huge rap number that Lynn wrote and it is unbelievable, but we got to be a part of that. So that was probably the third experience that I'll never forget. Wow. Courtney, I mean, wow, that is just awesome. Like you said, once in a lifetime, it's so fun to hear these stories. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Oh. So after that, I mean, what's next like you you moved <laughs> home to texas texas like when did you know you wanted to go pro as a kid then what like tell sure. us how that whole thing worked out so i you know at football games i really did enjoy the football games but of course i always loved watching the cheerleaders and growing up in dallas you're kind of forced to be a cowboys fan obviously yeah. and um loved watching the girls you know they didn't stunt or tumble necessarily but i still really wanted to do that. And so I hadn't done dance um, because I really transitioned to cheerleading, you know, after middle school. And the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders are definitely, you know, more dancers than um, cheerleading in the sense that I had done. But I still gave it a shot. And I was cut after finals my first year. And I tried again. Um, They unfortunately had said some, you know, not um, very kind things about me on the show. And it's honestly kind of mind blowing that I even went back after they, uh, some of the harsh comments that they made uh, very publicly about me and other girls auditioning for that team. And I think I just wanted to prove to myself that even after kind of getting um, shot down for very superficial things like my height and my face and, you know, things that we really as women shouldn't even be nitpicking, but they did. Um, and it was, you know, mentally it was really difficult for me, but I just wanted to prove that I could go back and try again. And I got cut at the same point again, um, that second year. And they, there's kind of a rule. Like if you get, if you don't go further then they're probably not going to take you. And I, I was very short and I was five feet tall, still am, um, <laughs> and would have been, you know, majorly on the short side. They definitely like their dancers a little bit taller and things like that. So there were some things I, I physically couldn't change. Um, but mentally, it was not a great environment to be around. It was not super uplifting. And um, there was a lot of judging going on. And um, it just wasn't something I wanted to continue to try to be a part of. And so I was looking for a team that was a little bit more inclusive and kind and building up women. And so I was looking into the New England Patriots and they also included tumbling and things that I was really good at um, in their audition process. And I went to one of their kind of um, pre-audition boot camps and I just completely fell in love with their coach and the style and the girls and the captains were so encouraging. They just built each other up and didn't tear people down. And it just felt like um, such a better fit for me. And I auditioned in 2018 and made the team that year. And that year we also went to the Super Bowl. And so I thought, 
you know what? I had had kind of a terrible experience at the audition in Dallas times two. And um, it was really rough and not going to lie. Like emotionally, I was not in a great place and I was doubting my body and my face and my abilities and my weight and all these things that you really shouldn't be dealing with um, in that world and that are very um, trivial seeming. And especially when you're like a young woman in your, in your mid twenties and um, trying to figure things out. And so the fact that I had a, such a, a better experience um, in the audition process in New England, it just really made me feel like that was the right place. And then the Super Bowl was just the cherry on top. It was like the universe saying, because of what you've gone through and the adversity and still having that fighting spirit, like this is your reward. Um, it was also probably because of Tom Brady and other <laughs> players on our team, but I took it personally as this is your reward for not having given up. I love that. Well, and I'm so proud of you for not giving up. I mean, what a great attitude you had of faith and good mm -hmm. mindset to persevere, even though it was hard and you were doubting mm -hmm. physical things, especially, but good for you having that mind over matter attitude, you know, and you kept pushing for your dream. I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you. Thank you. There were definitely people along the way, you know, to help me. And even, you know, a former Dallas Cowboys cheerleader did all of my choreography for my audition. And she was such a big cheerleader, pardon the pun, for me with, you know, <laughs> auditioning for New England. And um, I just adore her. And she couldn't have been a better support system for me. And like I said, the alumni for the Patriots and the, the captains at the time were just all so encouraging. And it just felt like the right place to be. So I moved wow. to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And how, that's amazing for two years. Oh, wow. Yes. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. What was your favorite moment or proudest moment as a, as an NFL cheerleader? And then, you know, in there in Boston and anything I think, stands out? Yeah, there were probably two moments um, when you're at the Super Bowl, they, you know, truly don't know who's going to win. And so they have, you know, t-shirts prepared for both teams and hats prepared for both teams. And the confetti is also um, both teams colors. And when we were walking back um, after halftime, we went to the locker room to change and then came back out. And I remember passing the boxes that said like red and blue and then blue and gold for confetti. And at that moment, I was just like, oh my gosh, one of those boxes is going to drop and there's going to be confetti everywhere. And I really hope it's that red and blue box. And that is the box that ended up dropping, you know, the second that the game ended and just seeing it fall from the sky after I had seen it like kind of in storage during mm. halftime, that was just a surreal moment for me. And we got to kind of make snow angels and the confetti and our mascot, um, Pat the Patriot, he told us to grab confetti and put it anywhere you can, like in your shoes and your top and your shorts, wherever you can, because you're going to want to keep that later to use, you know, in picture boxes or, you know, just memories that you have, or even in a jewelry box, like with your Super Bowl ring. And, and I'm so glad he told us that he had been to the Super Bowl before. Mm -hmm. And so we were all grabbing confetti and stuffing it in places. And, and I still have that confetti and I have it up in my room. And I just, 
seeing that just takes me back to um, that halftime moment when I saw the confetti in the boxes and now it's, it's with me and that's kind of something I'll never forget. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So then you, how did you know you wanted to stop or not even that you wanted to stop? I'm sure there are so many parts of you. There's many parts of you that didn't want to ever stop, but you knew it was time to move back to Texas. And, um, I want to hear about your move with Courtney Krause and, but when did you know it was time and tell me about move with Courtney Krause? Like that's sure. the next step. <laughs> well, it's funny. It, um, the pandemic really shaped a lot of how mm. the, that all started, but I did know that at the end of my second year, I was blessed to be a captain on Patriots. And I thought, you know, this is, had I not gotten captain, maybe I would have stayed another year to see if I could, you know, be a leader on the team my third year. But I was also, you know, 32 and there are 18 year olds on the team. So I definitely felt like I was, you know, one of, I was the oldest one on the team and felt ready to move on and kind of figure out the next big chapter of my life because cheerleading really took up those first 32 years <laughs> uh, in a big way, or at least 25 years, I guess, since I started when I was six or seven. Um, and I knew I would still have it in my life, but I needed to move on. So I made the decision to retire and Tom Brady also made the decision to leave Patriots. So I kind of joke that we decided together that that would be our last year with the Patriots. <laughs> so we left um, together, not really. And then um, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to have to, you know, find a new career or, you know, do cheer or dance or teaching or coaching on the side, but I'm also going to need like a big girl job. And I'd worked in finance in Boston. So I, I knew I didn't want to continue that. That was just kind of my day job while I was on the team. Um, and I was like, you know what, I think I'll go back to school. So I actually applied to TCU for their master's in teaching program. And right when I got accepted. That's when the pandemic hit mm. and we hadn't started school, but they announced that school would be virtual and the world, you know, kind of shut down. And so I started teaching some fitness classes on Instagram and just on zoom. And that kind of piqued my interest in terms of, I guess I could do this for a little bit. And so I started calling it move because there were different kinds of classes. And I was also teaching some students dance on Zoom as well. So I just called it Move with Courtney Krause. Um, so it could be all encompassing from fitness to cheer to dance, things like that. And then I also did some choreography for first dances for weddings and um, choreography for cheer teams. And so I just, I liked that title because it really encompassed everything that yeah. I could do that had movement in it. And so um, continued that virtually through the pandemic and also went to grad school virtually as well. Eventually we got to go back in person, but several months were all virtual. So my world was kind of all on my computer um, doing this virtual teaching and then virtual learning at the same time um, as moving back to Texas. And my husband and I bought a house and I we had an extra bedroom and I decided to turn it into a dance studio um, to where I could actually have move in person. And so move became really just personalized um, dance classes and tumbling classes for 
uh, young students. And so I had, you know, girls from age four and even boys um, to about 18 who would come and have private lessons. And I would do tumbling with them, mainly tumbling and um, prepared lots of girls for their high school tryouts and middle school cheer tryouts and things like that. I had a few adult clients who I would do fitness with, but it really took off with the, um, the younger students wanting to learn tumbling. And it just kind of blew up. Um, I think there's a lack of uh, gyms in our area still somehow. And parents really liked the idea of having private lessons. And so um, that's what I had been doing really as a big part of my kind of day-to-day until I graduated and actually got a job as a teacher. So now it's very much part-time because I do coach and teach all day, Um, but I do still accommodate some clients on the weekends and still do some choreography um, through MOVE as well. But it, it was my whole world during the pandemic, and I don't know if I could have gotten through you know, quarantine and all that without having that outlet for sure. Yeah, no, what a blessing it was for you. But yes, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's great how a lot of us were able to do stuff uh, virtually, but it's crazy that you were teaching and coaching at the same time. You're right. Your computer was your whole world (laughs) and what a blessing it was for you, but I'm sure you're, you are glad to have a lot of things back in person now. Um, Yes. And tell us a little bit about you teaching and coaching. I know you're in Fort Fort Worth and it's come full circle for you. You're, you're teaching at the, your former high school. So tell us about that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's a K through 12 school. So I teach fourth grade all day. And then I get to go be the varsity cheerleading coach and program director in the afternoon. So it's fun going from, you know, 10 year olds, all year olds uh, in the afternoon. But it, it makes me very thankful for having gone to that school being on the other side of it now when I see all that goes into creating an environment like that for kids to learn in. Because when you're a kid, you just think, you know, oh, this teacher just knew what they were doing and just just taught us. And you had no idea that they spent hours preparing that lesson or, you know, we just had a pep rally and it was really fun. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, that pep rally took weeks to plan and 20 people had to approve it. And, you know, I, I really appreciate all the behind the scenes that school coaches and teachers and administrators do to make kids have that experience um, of a fun, involved, you know, spirited school. So now I'm on the other side. So it definitely takes a lot of my time, but I really enjoy it. And it brings me, um, like I said, full circle to where I fell in love with cheerleading was at that school as a little girl who had won, you know, the auction item. And just on Friday night, um, we had kind of our junior cheerleaders get to perform with the big girls. And um, I think there were about 50 girls who showed up uh, in their little cheer uniforms. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that is, those are all of my future cheerleaders. That's the future of, of our school's cheer program right there. And it was really neat to see them because I used to be one of them. (laughs) Oh, it's just so So. precious. Life is crazy. It's just amazing that you're able to be, you know, back there where it all began. Mm -hmm. And tell me, um, one of my favorite sayings is be who you needed when you were young. How Mm. are you doing this for your students, your girls, even those junior cheerleaders? I mean, 
would you say there's one or, big thing that you're just that's really especially uh, meaningful you for you to give back in some certain way? I love that saying. First of all, I think that's that's one I'm going to steal from you. I think that's yeah. so important and something I need to really think about, especially on those hard days, because not every day do I want to be at school for 13, 14 hours, but that's maybe what those kids need that day. And whether it's asking them about personal things, you know, if their dog died or if they broke up with a boyfriend or those little things that seem trivial and maybe almost like not the teacher's business, that is so important. And making those connections with your students. I think that's something that I'm sure I had, but um, everyone could could have more of, and every student needs that, especially in this day and age with all of the pressures of social media and society, just checking in with your kids and your students on a, a more personal level and making sure that, you know, personally they're okay because that all affects their academics and their cheer and their athletics and all the things that they do. And you know that if they're having a bad day, it's because of something that is going on. They're not just randomly choosing to not turn in assignments or to be late to practice. And so just um, kind of being that accountability to make sure that everything is okay kind of in their outside of school world and knowing how that affects their in-school or in-sports world, I think is huge. And that's something I'll get better at, but something I, I do work on and I'm aware of because I think all kids need, need that extra support that is maybe not apparent. Absolutely. And what a blessing you are to those kids because we do need, we, the little girl inside of me <laughs> and the little girl inside of you, you know, we, we needed that. And you're right. There's so many ways that you can support. There are so many ways you can support the kids um, just by being interested and asking those questions that maybe you'll see, like there's always a reason behind some what might say is bad behavior and rather than just mm-hmm. punishing, but really asking what's going on in your life. I mean, that could right. save someone's life or save the mm-hmm. trajectory of their life. Um, and so I'm really Absolutely. so happy for those kids that they are blessed with you as a teacher and a cheer coach and a leader in their life. Well, thank you. And I think also leading by example too is so important. So the way that you show up, to teach or to coach, they notice, you know, if you're unorganized or you're late or you're frantic or negative, I mean, those emotions and situations are so palpable and you really have to be aware that they're watching you all the time. You know, maybe the boys don't idolize, you know, me being the cheer coach, like the girls might in my fourth grade class, but it doesn't matter. They're still watching every move you make because you're around them for like eight hours a day. That's more than some of their parents are around them in a full day. And so just being kind of hyper aware of my actions and attitudes, I think is also helpful. And it's something, again, I'm a first year teacher this year, so I'll continue to grow in that area. But that's kind of one of my goals is to be a role model for them, like in and out of the classroom. Oh, I love that. Well, I know you are such a great role model for them and for so many. And um, well, so 
I guess we can kind of wrap it up, but like, what else am I missing? Or are there any last thoughts on um, maybe anything you have to inspire our listeners to go for their dreams, never give up just like you did. You went for it every, mm-hmm. every goal, every dream and look at you, what an inspiration you are. Well, I think one thing is that, you know, goals and, and dreams might happen in different phases and in different times in your life. And there have been times when I've wanted something so badly and it has not worked out. But then maybe six months later or two years later or four years later, it does work out in another way. So I think just not losing faith and confidence um, like in your life's plan is really important. And there are days when I truly don't know if I can do one more thing or go to one more practice or make one more lesson plan. And then I just think about I'm so thankful to be in this spot to be able to create lesson plans and to be able to run practice and just knowing that there are seasons and some seasons will be easier than others. Um, but you can't get down if it doesn't happen in your own timing. I think that's been the biggest lesson for me and the biggest thing that I can pass on, at least at this point in my life. I love that. Yes. That's amazing. And following your life's plan and trusting that trusting the process is huge. Thank you Mm -hmm. for saying that because what a good reminder for me and to all of our listeners, um, listening now. So, so how can our listeners find you and, um, are you active on Instagram? Do you have a website, Facebook? I'll put this in the show notes too, but, um, tell us while we're here. Sure. So at Court Krause is my Instagram. It's just at C-O-U-R-T-K-R-A-U-S-S. It's really just personal. It's not, you know, I'm not a blogger or influencer by any means, but, you know, if you want to follow along um, for life updates, please, by all means, go for it. Um, my client list is pretty full at the moment for move with Courtney Krause, but if you ever want more information, move with is my website and there are inquiry forms there and more information. Um, and that's pretty much it. Yay. Okay, good. Well, Courtney, I can't thank you enough for your time and your insight and sharing all of these wonderful, fascinating stories and the fun stuff, but also the not so fun. Thank you for the sharing the highs and lows because it really humanizes your experience. It's easy to look on Instagram and say, oh, Courtney, you know, she look at this and look at that, but really hearing you the way you've persevered and the way you've gone for your goals and you've taken such um, a brave perspective. You, you just consulted yourself when you said yes to the best. And I think that more of us need to do that is just listen to our intuition and um, Mm -hmm. be inspired and say yes to these amazing things that come into our lives, but they don't just come in, come in. You really went out for your dreams. You tried out for a lot of stuff and I'm Mm -hmm. so inspired by you and proud of you. And thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you. And thank you for creating this platform, you know, not just for women, but for anyone um, to really think about their mindset and how that affects their everyday life. And we need more people like you in the world doing this. (laughs) Well, thank you for saying that. And it takes a village. So here we are today, (laughs) spreading, spreading the, the, you know, like you said, the mindset. So thank you for that. And um, I'll see you next time. Thank you again for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye, Courtney. Bye-bye.